show may contain naughty language and explicit content. You have been warned. Welcome to Facehammer, an Age of Sigmar podcast. Bringing you product reviews, news from the UK tournament scene, as well as some pro hobby tips. So stay tuned and get ready for some hammer to your face. Welcome to Facehammer, episode 92. It's me, Russ the Face. I'm joined by the Mr. B. Dizzle. My shizzle rogue idolness himself. I, uh, <laughs> I should have brought them with me. I could have. You could have come on for done like glove puppets with your rogue idols. <laughs> They're so huge. Honestly, trans- that's what she said. Transporting them to <laughs> transporting them to a game is just like a. It's like a a really weird thing where you just end up with like mine aren't on their bases yet, so I just turned up with like I don't know seven hundred grams of bubble wrapped model in a blob. Like they're just. So weird. You Nothing just, else feels like it just that. looks like you're holding pebbles. So you could just walk around the street holding them. <laughs> I mean, just one in each hand. Like, um, what? <laughs> I have got it. Yeah, yeah it's pretty. Um, <laughs> it's like a big pebble. Um, so in this show, we are going to talk about uh, how to write lists that make you better at Age of Sigma, and how to write. Uh, how to think about the environment you're going into when you write army lists. Um, I'm going to go through my thought process on Slaves to Darkness list that I've been writing because uh, Carl is, and Dave have kindly given me a Slaves to Darkness box to keep me uh, get me started. Uh, so I will be doing my Slaves to Darkness army and uh, I'll talk about that in a bit more detail. And you've been playing with rocks as we've just revealed yeah i've been playing with one one rocks um although i have two rocks painted and i own three rocks so that could be a thing we'll talk about that list but it's it's not a good list it's no. a fun list it would allow me to make a list. thumbnail which is uh three rocks from the fun and then <laughs> like superimpose the faces of the actors and actresses that were in that tv show from a long time ago it's sure my age on your rogue idols but um we'll Absolutely. get there um <laughs> so um and then we'll, at the end, we'll wrap up and we'll talk a little bit about generic tips for players who want to write a list but don't want to just follow the meta of internet lists, which yeah. is its own little weird world, or put stuff on forums where they get told that don't play do that, that, it's rubbish, uh, go yeah. away and, and play the list that everyone else is talking about. Um, so we're going to do a little bit on that. Um, I figured that'd be useful uh, for people. But I think before we get into that, I just want to say uh, thank you to everyone who got involved with Facehammer Worldwide. It's awesome. Thank you to the guests. Thank you to well, people yeah. who joined in and commented in. Like it was uh, the level of engagement was great, and we had fun doing it, even if we did get pretty sleepy. And um, I think we we learned a lot in a short amount of time for some stuff that's definitely going to be super useful in the future. Yeah. So I I played around with some streaming software that I've not used before, which I'm now recording this on instead of the other software I was using. Hopefully it'll be the audio should be a better quality. Um and we've yeah, we we did some Twitch streaming. Those videos are available only for a couple of days, so they probably won't be there once you look at this. But what we are doing is putting everything on YouTube. Um so I had some audio issues on the Twitch stream, uh which I've been able to sort out using my old faithful audacity with my podcast editing, but it's a lot of faff for me. But um and then Les has been uh sort of sort of maestroing those together. Uh, so yeah, we we will be releasing those videos periodically. They're a little bit slow, 
uh, to go out because we've got quite a lot of post-production to tidy them up. Uh, but yeah, they'll be coming out on our YouTube channel, so check those out if you haven't already. Um, obviously, the painting competition was went down really well. Um, yeah. And we had some really good entrants. Um, so that they're all available to yeah, see yeah. those. Oh, yeah, and you've got your super-duper, Dan. My, my man's not finished yet. He's still... He's still in progress, um, but he's going to look so good. But, and you, you've got an excuse to use him in an army as well. So he's he he's going to be in my. So I converted mine. So it's like got the staff off of the Zinch Demon Burning Chariot. It's got the chest from the Chaos uh, Acolyte from Forty K with this shoulder pad, and then I've got a book that's also from that guy. I had to cut the arms off and do some green stuff work, um, and then I've got the head from the guy on the Carcadrac, which is. I don't know if I can get that in focus, probably not. But I mean, you can, just about. Yeah. Just about. So that's the head that I went with. And he's got a little plinth with skulls Fancy. on it. So um, I've been, I will finish him, but unfortunately, I have to go and earn money and do paint things for other people. So um, <laughs> he's been on hold. But um, yeah, I, I, I didn't realize how much, um, how draining and how kind of engaged I'd have to be to. Uh, you know, keep the stream running and that, and it was quite hard to focus on doing anything other than the interviews and get yeah. the tech ready. But I think um, for those people that might have dropped in and out between the shows, like between the interviews, there was a lot of like just hangout and general chat and dead time, and that was kind of intentional. It was kind of like a bit of a hangout. So if people were watching it on the Discord, they they would seen like a lot more kind of raw. <laughs> what it's like to hang out with us on <laughs> which i don't know if it's a good thing but you know we, we still they're still here they didn't leave so um well some people did but you know that's fine um but i just want to say a massive thank you to everyone who yeah, got involved um whether that was just dropping in giving us well wishes or big thank you to all the guests as well uh and obviously that that was an amazing response for us to get those people to give up their time yeah, come awesome. on and so good talk warhammer and um really looking forward to those videos going out and we've put richie and um james tinsdale and oscar lars will go up today as we're recording this uh which should be out before this goes out obviously um so the other thing i think we should probably talk about is that we've we've got a pre-order for an exciting product haven't we yeah, we have. We've got some gaming objective markers that we've been working on. Um, super useful, really good way to not forget objectives in games, which shouldn't be as easy as it is, but it is, and it just keeps things very, very clear. So you know what's going on, your opponent knows what's going on, and we've got them in a lovely little, um, pretty resilient travel case as well, and they're nice and clear without being kind of too in the way. And also what we've done, which I think is really nice, kind of, there's a very weird middle ground with this type of stuff because you don't want to interrupt how the table looks and feels, yeah. but at the same time you want something that's really, really obvious. So we picked blue for the rings, which kind of fits with our colours, but I think is a nice colour to pick. But also we've got two sets of rings, so whether you're playing with six objectives, eight objectives, um, three inches away, six inches away, you can put the least amount of stuff on the table possible for whatever you're doing, which yeah. I'm real fan of. They're also non-slip which is very, very useful, actually. Yeah, that would be the biggest um, yeah. thing, is that they've got that non-slip coating on the side, so yeah. you don't have to worry about them skidding around too much. And I think the the good thing as well, like you say, is the less... The, the, the other, other rings out where you've got like multiple rings in one template, it's easy to get confused, because yeah. if you're playing a mission that's a three-inch and you've got a six-inch template with a three-inch middle ring, you might oh, move a done. unit, forget, and go, oh, actually... And actually, the template's almost hindering your 
gaming experience and you and... want the least amount of stuff possible and what's there you want to be the only stuff that is relevant we're doing them for clarity um, yeah, I think that really helps with that. And I think as well, it will speed games up a little bit because you don't have to worry yeah, about being super precise about measuring every model is as you in, use is them. Out? Well, yeah. obviously he's in. He's yeah. yeah. So yeah, um, really like we wanted to make something. So they're on pre-order from Element Games. Um, yep. we'll, I've put a little vid- I've got a little video on it, so I'll, I'll flash that up in a minute, um, which just shows you what they're about. Uh, and if you could uh, order those, that would really help us because that... Helps Check us out the dice as well while you're content there. You've got and... plenty of pretty things. Yeah, the dice are really nice, actually. So, uh, lots of dice and colours to choose from. So, obviously, when gaming starts to get back to normal at some point, hopefully you you'll have these cool things. I think the templates will ship in October. Yeah. So towards the end of October, when this episode goes out, I imagine. Um, so get your orders in. We've we've only got we've got limited supplies. So, um, you know, we probably have enough for the next month or so. Uh, depending on how orders go, but if you want yeah, to not crazy. miss out, then definitely make sure you pre-order. Um, so that's all the sales stuff done. <laughs> but um, I think what we'll do is we'll take a little break there and then uh, come back and we'll get into the main topic of the show, yeah. which will be start off with be talking about my Slaves to Darkness army list. Facehammer is sponsored by Element Games. So for great customer service... All the latest Age of Sigmar releases at 20% off, and all your hobby needs, go to www.elementgames.co.uk. To support us directly, click through the banner on our website and let them know that you came from us. Um, We are back from the break, Um, so I think we can start off and talk straight about... (laughs) About... The rogue idol, no. Um, so <laughs> no, 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 yeah. So um, we'll talk about this um, slaves to darkness army list that I've been going down this journey. Uh, so I'll just give context a little bit. So I started off, and I really want to lean into the aesthetic of Chaos Warriors, that kind of Conan the Barbarian, when they come in that village and they just kill everyone, you know, and they can hear the lamentation of their women and all that, they crush their enemies, that kind of, like, those Chaos Warriors, those really iconic uh, sort of um, killers from the north that invade. And you I want just... them armoured as well, don't you? you yeah. Don't want marauders, you want well, I don't mind a few, but I don't want, like, old derpy He-Man-looking marauders. I, I, I really like the Warcry models. Um, the The Untamed Beasts especially. I mean, hopefully helpful that they're actually really good. Um, but yeah, so I have got some lesser warriors in my army, but they're kind of in my head in the background. They're like the marauders, although they're not, but yeah. they, they're like the marauders. And because you've got the the dog in there as well, the doggo, that's kind of like the Chaos Warhounds, you know, so it kind of feels a little bit like themed to what I'm doing. That's that's my excuse. I'm sticking to it. But um, <laughs> I I kind of wanted to go down that route. Now, um what I what I basically did is I I was fortunate enough to be able to get a game against Ossiarch Bone Reapers uh, with a draft list uh, against Carl who came round and we we had a socially distanced garden game of uh, Warhammer which is my first game since March um, so it was very Exciting. good to shake the cobwebs off though weirdly I could find nothing I didn't know where any of my dice were my tape measures my dice yeah. tray I was just like the I was a complete trays, mess so... it was all just hidden behind stuff and even my table was behind like piles of boxes because I've been I've been shipping stuff so I've had all this stuff in boxes but anyway um so 
I think it's probably a good idea to get into the army list itself um, that I've settled on. I have changed it since my game, and I'll talk about that. But let me just put it up on the screen. But I'm just going to adjust our cameras slightly so I can um, fit us and the the window of um, of fun. There we go. That's working. Look at that. Beautiful. So um, Byron has no idea because he can't see this. So he's going, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> but um, I wanted to talk a little bit about this army list. So um, I wanted to lean into the aesthetic of Warriors. Um, I also want to be as competitive as I can be um, with this army. But aesthetically, I want it to look cool. I want to enjoy painting it. Um, and there's some choices in here that revolve around that. And I want to talk about um why i've made these decisions and what i'm doing so um so starts off um saves the darkness allegiance so i had the choice of doing different allegiances but i thought let's keep it simple stick to slaves get my core of slave stuff and then later on if i want to delve into zinch or nurgle or something else yeah, i can i can paint other mountain and, and just play around you know so this is my starting point so who knows where the journey will end uh it might end with be collecting order but who knows um <laughs> so I, a slim. <laughs> well, I always keep get untempted with Deepkin. Uh, but Deepkin, they're like evil. They're like chaos elves. I like Oh, them. they're brilliant, yeah. And they've got fish. Who doesn't like fish? Well, turtles. Lots, lots of people, but yeah. Turtles. Yeah. Sharks and turtles. This is great. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you've got rocks. I've got turtles. What could go yeah, wrong? Yeah. <laughs> um, so the list that I've written is a despoilers list. Now, uh, the reason I went for despoilers is I just simply think it's the best. Um, you know, you can, I think the magic one's a bit quirky. Uh, I think the one with recycling units could be quite good, but because I wanted to lean into what I call the power of the book, which is um, the corn doom and prince and uh, command points are really important. So getting an artifact gives you D3 at the start of the game. But that's you get that regardless. It's not your hero phase. I think it's the start of the first battle round, so you get those those command points. Even if the guy dies straight away, you still get them. So and you get them if your opponent goes first. You've got them in their turn to use. That's good. That's so really, that's like, a big difference, right? Yeah, it's like it, it's such a good ability. So um, I didn't. I did play around with formations. I looked at. Some of the stuff like Plague Touched, I looked at Mark of Nurgle, uh, which I know is very popular on the Slaves to Darkness forums, and Jim uses that a lot, and I'm in the Facebook group, and I see a lot of people talk about Nurgle and Plague Touch Warband. I know that um, the Allegiance of Sunesh is quite popular with Lorid Host and things like that, but um, that's more a Sunesh army than a Slaves to Darkness army, so... I decided not to run a formation, mainly because I found the formation very restrictive uh, and very expensive. Formations are 180 points pretty much across the board. Um, and what you get with So them, many wounds. It's right? it's a whole unit and you're of not, something. So And you're not getting your... I presume they don't get your drops low enough for it to be... Like, it's not you, like four or less. You can, but easily. I just don't think you care. Like and I'll yeah. explain that in a minute, especially with the we'll spoilers. I'll touch on that with my list too. So because uh, I'm very. Yeah. I think when you talk about drops, what you really want to the reason you want low drop is you want to dictate the game to give you a double turn, and you want to be able to spread out to avoid being alpha striked. Now, if you've got a pre-game move and your army doesn't give a shit about uh, being double turned, then 
you don't oh. need it, right? You just yep. don't need it. So what I've done is I've lent, I've basically gone, I do not need to worry about having a low drop army because the least I could get it down to probably like three or four. Um, and that's not really low enough to actually warrant uh, me taking sacrifice of paying points and taking yeah. units I don't want to take, but also yeah, exactly. Like the plague touch and things like that. You need like eight units of slaves to darkness mortals with the right mark, so you actually find that you end up running minimum size units of like a spawn and a five knights. You can't have a ten of knights. You can't have you know fifteen warriors. You've got to run like three units of five because you've got to get the units high enough to get the formation, yeah. and the formation's good especially Plague Touch, because you do mortals when they hit you. Um, but it, it, I don't, it kind of dictates my army. And um, I'm, I'm all about combat. I love combat. And corn makes your combat better. So I've, I've lent into corn because I see a lot of Nurgle armies that have got a corn demon prince for blood slick ground, which we'll talk about. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I went with um, the spoilers and that makes my demon prince general have a five up ignore save. It means he can heal. I can make terrain block line of sight, so that's a bit of shooting mitigation. Yeah, exactly. And um, with the spoilers, you get the command trait. Uh, I think it's Paragon of Ruin. I might have picked the wrong one, but it means you're allowed to move D3 units five inches before the game. Now, that actually right. combos with the Untamed Beasts like. because the Untamed Beasts also get a pre-game move of six inches. So if you combo that up, you can move 11. them 11 inches. So that's that, great. That's so flexible. So you could just push them out and you can contest objectives around the middle of the table with nine bodies, but also, um, so it doesn't mean they can auto-capture by putting minimal stuff forward. And yep. also it means that if you're playing people that have got stuff that they want to get into early early or they want to um, deep strike or, you know, like Kradron, you can get the depth so you don't get shot with your key pieces early on. Yeah. It gives you a turn then to get your buffs up and then go... So the alpha strike's less of a thing. Now, that does mean they're probably going to give you the first turn, but then you've got these units in the middle of the board capture the objectives, and you can even threaten objectives on their side of the table because they're so far ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, So I think that's really good. So pre-game move, can't really complain about that. I think that's, that's super solid. Um, so he's corn, and that gives you the ability to do bloodstick ground. So let me just uh, pull up the war scroll for you guys. Hopefully, I get the right one. Oh, look kind at that! A, Boom! It's a, it's a headliner, isn't it? Kind of of the list. This is a big part of it. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I like the demon prince anyway because they they're fast. They've got a good save. You know, they always strike first in combat. They don't. They're not wizards, which is a bit of a shame. But you know, that's fine. Um, but you've obviously got the um, bloodstick ground. So it's a command ability. And then everything within a team, enemy units, you their run and charge rolls are halved. So it gives you this bubble where even if you're like five inches away, suddenly you need a 10 to charge. Deal. It's yeah. massive because what it does is it just shuts down the enemy's ability to bring a lot of combat power to you if they double you because it's yeah. up and it's just always up and it's really strong so it's like it's like well you can't get into him so if you can't get in if you fail that charge that unit does nothing it's better than debuffing the unit they just don't actually do anything now i've 
comboed that with obviously the auto include that is Bellacor. Um, uh, now he's so good. Uh, you just obviously we've spoke about him on the other show, but the Dark Master you can before the game starts you pick a unit. Even if Bellacor dies, you can still use that. And they're on a five up. They can't. Do, they need to roll five up if they want to do anything. So particularly against a combat unit, again mitigates the double mitigates that because it lasts until your hero phase so i like to go I, they make me go first i'll go so there go i activate dark master if they win the double turn do they want to take a double but you've normally got the counter charge set up so if they give you the turn you can go in and welly them if they if they take the turn then bellicor's got double value and you've still got blood slit ground up because what you pop you- that in the first turn so what are you threatening with it? Is it a ten block of knights? What are your what are your key ways that you are gonna scare someone about that prospect? Um well it's the the knights is is the thing in my list. Um so I did change my list and it's purely there's two reasons. One, I don't want to paint twenty five chaos knights. Solid. Two, I I I know it's better. I know it's better. Um, but also aesthetically, I kind of like Varangard, so I want to paint some yeah. Varangard. So I, I have put, awesome. in the list I played against Carl. I had ten knights, so ten knights were, you know, and I didn't have the Sigil, but the Sigil and the Varangard are more like they're okay, but they're more there for like looking cool and yeah. giving me something cool to paint. Um, so yeah, the Varangard and the. Um, so in my list, the Varen Guard and the Chaos Knight units are the counter charge. The uh, Chaos Warriors are the Anvil. But actually, when I, I played... Everything's, everything's kind of both, especially the Knights. They've got yeah. a lot of wounds. Well, they're, they're defensive because the whole army's got four up or three up armor saves. They've got five up ignore mortal saves. Or they've got... The Varen Guard have got a three up armor save. You can put um, Oracular Visions on for the Sorcerer. That gives you a re-roll, one, a re-roll saves. Then you've got Demonic Power that you could cast on another unit. And if you get that off, that's re-roll, hit, wound, and save. So... For one? Or you, just... No, for, until your next hero phase. So it's re-roll everything, basically. So you can basically right. Demonic Power... And the Chaos Warriors get to re-roll armor saves anyway because they've got more than 10 in the unit. So you've got... You've actually got... You've got everything is duplicated across your army. You've got like kind of you've almost got a duplication of Bellicor's ability of the Demon Prince. Yeah. You've got a duplication of reroll saves on something that's already resilient. Yeah. Everything has a five up after save ish. Uh, against mortals, yeah. Uh, against mortals. But the Varen so God nice. don't have that, but they have an ignore spells, so it's kind of the same. Yeah. So, so. you've got all these blocks that are different, but kind of it, you could swap and change your it just sounds like you've got a lot of dudes all of which do somewhat similar things i've run death armies like that in the past where you make sure that your your after save is a five plus and then everything causes minus one to hit or something and you've pretty much got the same stuff going on all over the board it's quite powerful yeah and it it, it just it just does what it does well and i've just lent into it and so uh, the chaos swords marcus inch means he rerolls ones on his saves as well so he's got a little bit of a reroll of a save yeah, why not um you can turn off terrain with um your I forgot the name of the ability now, but it turns it into, uh, I think it's like Nightmare Chasm and something else, but you you make a terrain pitch black and Nightmare Chasm. I think those are the two rules. And basically it means that it blocks line of sight and enemy units that are near it can take mortal wounds. <clears throat> so so restrictions on that, is that like one within 24 or do you uh, just pick one? At or? the end of your movement phase within six of a Demon Prince, I think it is. 
Okay, and they're pretty nippy, so it's not it's not that difficult. Yeah, moving to... twelve for fly, yeah. so you can yeah, get pretty nice. fast. And actually, what you'll find is because the demon prince fights first, and they're quite ch- because being corn, the the aura ability from my characters is plus one to hit. Uh, sorry, reroll ones to hit and plus one to wound if it's a general. And because you're into spoilers, that's an eighteen inch bubble. So all nice. my stuff that's wholly within eighteen in my demon prince is plus one to wound and reroll ones to hit. So, so again, it's it's doubling down on consistency because that's a big, but like from his base, that's that's huge. more than half the half the table as far as yeah. the bit that matters. Yeah, yeah, it's like thirty seven inches, well, but thirty eight inches. Um, yeah, but the the cool thing as well is that um, I've got the so the sorcerer lord I've talked about. He's got the the mantle. It doesn't really matter who has that. That's just the only artifact I've got. Um, so the good thing about um, this guy, which is the Castle Lord on Karkadrak, um, he's actually pretty tanky. He's got a free up armor save, um, and he's also got his five up mortal wounds save. And if he kills, if it actually heals, D three wounds. Now that he really mounts up. does a load of damage. Like when he charges, he can do his mortal wounds to everything within one inch. If you charge multiple things, they all take it on a two up. He also has the command ability Knights of Chaos, which allows you to take knights, uh, chariots, or gore beasts, um, and gives them plus one to hit and reroll charges. So it makes the knights better. That's why the ten knights is probably better than the Varengard and the Sigil because you, you just get to buff that unit of 10 knights which is 30 wounds with a 4 up armor save re-rollable if you've put oracular visions on them or if you get demonic power even better and then they're plus 1 to wounds they're wounded on 2s but they're also plus 1 to hit because you've put knights of chaos on so they're 2s and 2s re-rolling 1s to hit so rend 1 so they just it's just loads of, loads of dice goes through um, but I mean I decided to take Varengard and, and the reason I put these in one, they're cool models, right? So Fantastic, why not? Yeah. Um, but what I like about these guys is they have the rule where they can fight multiple times in a phase. Oh, that's cool. They took that out of the bonus splitters book for the boar riders, and I'm really upset about it because I think it's very, it's pretty unique. Yeah, and and I think like for me, I haven't, I haven't. This will might change in the future. So like, I'm thinking that I'm probably better off giving them uh, warp steel. Uh, sorry. Uh, demon forged blades so that's um if you want a six to hit they do a mortal they're freeze and freeze one rend d3 damage now the other thing you could do is you could take fell spears which you've a freeze and force to wound rend one damage two but on the charge you get plus one to wound and the rend goes up by one so because you're corn if you're in range of the general you'd be freeze and then twos with the spears rend two damage two on the charge with three attacks with a two inch reach so i'm tempted to run foul spears i need to play games and see what works because they're my counter unit yeah and having like your entire army is kind of everything's everything's pretty flexible can do similar stuff and you are playing in a way where you don't like you don't care about your opponent getting the priority roll or getting the double It, it feels like you're planning for like a one in five situation with the spears, and then you're just you're planning for anything slash the grind with the blades. Yeah, and I think the the fact that the blades do mortals on a six to hit that never is bad. That's like better than have in addition. It's like it's just free free extra damage. 
yeah, so absolutely. If, and you think damage potential that the Demon Forge blade with three attacks, the maximum it can do is 12 wounds because you could get three sixes to I mean, it's a bit unlikely. Three sixes yeah. to hit and do three damage on each one that's gone through is 12 the maximum damage, whereas the Fell Spear six is the maximum, regardless. Yeah. Because yeah. it, you, you're two damage a shot. So if you get all three attacks through, six is your max. So I think the Demon Forge Bades are better. That's what I've put in my list to start with. Especially um, if you're attacking twice, that lets you kill, like, I don't know, if yeah. someone's got Fulminators or something like that. It, yeah, but that, you know, they... that's per model. Yeah. So if you've got three of them, because they come as a unit of three, that's 15 that's... wounds or a three up save. And if you put Demonic Power on them, they're rerolling everything. But they're going to be hitting on, like, two... I can't give them Knights of Chaos, so it'll be threes to hit twos to wound rend is demonic one. power re-roll or is it re-roll failed re-roll okay so you can fish for sixes if you're against yeah. something indestructible that's really useful as well yeah so it's um yeah. super super good yeah so i mean they i think they're really cool and you also get to do that charge so you can go in and fight then as another activation activate them again now what i've done is i've taken the spell on bellacore's his backup spell fight last so oh. what that means i can put the vanguard in and go twice before they hit me That's if i get the spell off so um i've got the teleport spell on the sorcerer and, and to be honest like i don't think you need it like it really doesn't add any value to the army you might teleport nice yeah but the problem is you're soon you're out of mark range so you're not getting those benefits you're out of range to get a racket visioned or demonic powered you you have no bonuses to charge of them plus one so I did against Carl. I I put unit of five knights on a flank opposite ten more tech. Didn't make the charge. He charged me. I had lances on the knights, which I'll talk about why I've not got lances anymore. I've got one unit of lances, and that's purely just for having the extra rend on the charge with one of the counter units. But the other two got ensorcelled. I just think they're better. Like I just think it's better to grind. Um. So yeah, basically, it's very simple. It's just fifteen warriors as an anvil. Mark a corn so they can benefit from the buffs from the general. Um, three is a five chaos knights. One's got lances, two have got the sword. The lance one, if you imagine you'd set up like a checkerboard, so your anvil will be in the middle. You have five knights, five knights on either side, which you've got the uh, sword. The Varangard, if you imagine like a W, the two bottom points would be Varangard and lance knights, and then characters sort of spread around that. And then your front of that will be the two units of untamed beasts in a line. Pretty much doesn't matter what they've got, doesn't matter what they're going to do. That's how you're going to deploy every time. You don't, and that I really like that. In my old warriors army, it was very similar. It was knights, warrior, warrior, shrine, shrine. Deployed exactly the same way every game, and I'll just put it on the table in formation and go right. I'm done. I'll go to the bar. You can carry on deploying. You get the choice. It's nice to have that chill out before you start your game. Knowing, yeah, like I've, I remember various people talking about this years ago on podcasts and stuff like that, but. Having a bit where you just get to switch off your brain and go, take a breath, like go to the bar, like go to the toilet, just have a chat, whatever it is, and then be like, right, game on, let's go. That's I think that's really powerful, especially if your opponent doesn't get that. You've got it down there, like, well, how do I deal with what am I going to, where am I going to go, where's this demon prince, and you're just like, well, you know, I'm done. It's basically confident, it's impactful, and it's less things you have to think about. Yeah. So you might, you might adjust it, in some situations, depending on the scenario, but you don't want to worry too much. But basically, essentially, that's the it's a very sort of 
you want to play a little bit compact. It kind of plays a bit like death where you want to play around your heroes. That's why I think I kind of like it. Um, so yeah, the knights lances now is a bit of a weird one here because you're in source of weapons. You get three attacks, three threes, run one, one damage. It's very solid. The lance, you get extra reach. You get two attacks. So it's one less attack fours to hit, which is not anywhere near as good. Obviously you could boost that with Knights of Chaos and Corn gets three or ones. Freeze to wound, but no rend, one damage. But on the charge, they get quite a good bonus where they get plus one damage and their rend goes up by two. So damage to rend two. So on the charge, they're quite nasty. Um, but like you said, how often do you get to charge? If they don't charge, they're pretty crap. Whereas the Ensorcelled are just good all the time. I mean, my argument would be, and I've had this with Gore Grunters a lot, um, after quite a lot of obsessive thought going into it, I think if you run six, you take anything that's got more reach, because every now and again, you're not going to get that back that back rank of people in. You get a charge that's slightly less than you want, and a pile in, still can't get you there. At least they have some attacks, which is a lot better than none, um, regardless of whether they had swords or whatever. Like If they can or can't get in as a result of that choice, then you pick the right one. And then the smaller units, which would be threes with Gore Grunters, I think they are there more for the grinds. So that's the way that I would be approaching it. If I had a 10 and two fives, it would be the 10 would have lances and the fives would have. The weird thing with the Chaos Knights, they're kind of opposite. So like because you've got a big 10, it's harder to get the impactful charge because they're easier to tag or to bog down. Whereas mm-hmm. a five is a lot easier to get into places, like small spaces. Yep. Yep. Um, and also... Like, it's a lot less impact if they charge you if it's only five knights than if it's ten, if it's your big ten. Whereas the big ten is so survivable, it's going to grind every game it will end up grinding. Yeah, yeah. So you might as well give them in Sorcelled. People gooed up on that center, yeah. and then you just plow in with work. And I just, so, so for me, if I have a ten, it's in Sorcelled. If it's a five and it's a dart, it's got lances. So it's the opposite thinking, which is yeah. quite an interesting concept. I mean, I might be wrong, but that's... I yeah, just, equally so, like... So my eye, like thinking about it, like they they go in there. It's it. Your army isn't about doing so much damage into your opponent's force in the first turn that they're hitting you back with less. It's about getting there and then staying there, probably for five turns, and still having four knights left at the end of turn five, no matter what they've chucked into you. I guess. Yeah, uh, and they yeah. they just they're just one of those units that is so hard to break down. You know, 10 knights has got 30 wounds. I mean, that's the change. And I'll talk about why I put the Varengard in. I talked about the double pile in the little dart. And it's it's about having more damage in a smaller space. Um, yeah. Which, more reliable damage as well. Yeah. Right? And, not, and, not swingy, but I'm here. My save is a 4+. plus. I ignore mortals on a 5+. plus. Everything only gets better. If I do these spells, I get more reliable. And I hit on threes and wound on threes and do this. Yeah, and I think that's the thing with um, with your um, Varengard. They've got a free up armor save, uh, so they're a little bit more tanky than the knights. But you've got half the wounds, so like yeah. there's two hundred eighty points for the Varengard, or it's three hundred twenty for ten knights. Now, the reason the Varengard appeal to me is it allows me to put in the Doom Sigil, which I'll talk about in a sec. But I just talk about the Untamed Beast. I mentioned about the pre-game move and what they're there for is they're a screen that just pushes up, contests the middle and stops you. So it's using this um, this ability, which is, you know, and actually what's really good about these guys, and it's kind of one of those things that people don't necessarily um, realise, is they've got a shoot attack and they can run and charge. 
So if they do give you the first turn, they're not very good in combat, but you, you, can, you, could, you can gum up their army because you can put them if in they've like... screened, you can be fighting their screen. Yeah. You're going first and their 10 people is now 5 people or yeah. whatever. And um, what I've decided to do in my list is put this de- Doom Sigil in. Now, the reason I put this in is because I don't really want to teleport a unit on the first turn. I'm going to cast Demonic Power. That's <laughs> every every game always going to go as my Sorcerer's spell. He's got Mask of Darkness, but I'll probably never cast it. Benacor's got two spells, so obviously one of them is his Enfeeble, which is an enemy debuff. There's nothing in range on the first turn. Um, he's got the Fight Last spell, nothing in range. Gives him something to cast. He can put a Mystic Shield down on a Knight unit, and then he can do the Eightfold Doom Sickle. Now, the Doom Sickle is quite an interesting thing because you basically put down this Chaos Star, um, and it's within 12 of the caster. Then what happens is... You keep track of the number of models that are slain within 12, and at the end of the turn, you roll a dice, um, on a free up, the player who's got that turn must pick a Slaves to Dark unit to hold it within 18 and add one to its attacks. So what you do is you run the Untamed Beast forward, drop the Doomsicle behind them, and have and because it has to be within holding within 18, you can okay. keep like, your Sorcerer and stuff out of range but then put in like the Knight Countercharge Knights and Varengard holy of an 18 of the Doomsickle and say, well, the only units you can pick are those. So there you go, they kill your Untamed Beasts, you roll a load of dice and you go, well, free up, okay. So you probably, if they kill out two units of Untamed Beasts, your whole army is going to be buffed anyway. And you yeah. say, well, you know, you're going to give them extra attacks. So then if they give you the turn, your countercharge is going to be much more impactful. Yeah, that's really interesting. So... I really like this, and I think you just plonk this in the middle of the table. The whole game, you're going to be going, well, which units of mine do you want to buff? Which units of mine do you want to buff? You can, you can also push it much further forwards than that because you can move your Demon Prince five inches before the game starts, right? If you want it to be yeah. right in your opponent's zone, you've got the width of the base and 12 inches and five inches. Yeah, um, but you almost... So actually, that could be... You almost you plonk it, it and you, you want it sort of central on the table but central of your territory oh, yeah. so you kind of want it don't want it on the halfway line you kind of want it back a bit because you want it to cover the untamed beasts so they're in range of 12 to die but you yeah. also want it so it's eight holy within 18 will capture your army yeah and then you do that and it's like well it's uh you know you, you're gonna buff mine behind units anyway and it's just annoying it's an annoying thing that people want to get rid of, and I, I quite like the Aggressive model. defensive. Yeah, yeah and, and like, I th- I thought about putting in a Blood Secretor. And the Blood is cool, uh, but the problem is you have to re-roll successful casts. So you no. don't... You, you want Demonic Power off, and, you know, I know people out there might be going, you've got a corn army with Wizard in it, but um, you want to get Demonic Power off. If you don't get Demonic Power off, it's kind of... Um, yeah, you don't really want to successfully cast it and have to re-roll it and fail it because it's such a big spell. So, you know, even like Mask of Darkness or or making them fight last, you don't want anything messing around with your magic, you know. No, your army's about reliable control, basically. You're you're making the most of not crazy, sexy, funky, this does a million damage units. You want every... You've tried to do everything you can to make everything as level and as reliable and as consistent. And dropping him in is just the opposite to everything you've spoken about yeah uh so it, it's it's a very it's a very simple army that's got a few tricks in it but it does everything quite well 
Yeah, I think it's underestimatable. That's probably the oh, biggest 100%. thing I'd say yeah. from an opponent's perspective. Oh, he's got some average units, some average units, some average units. So he's got Bellacore. Everyone's got Bellacore. Try and kill Bellacore. And then you're like, sweet, here's a Lade of Knights. <laughs> yeah, you're like, you could have killed Bellacore. It doesn't make any difference because he's done his yeah. job by being on the yeah. list. So, um, you know, the, and, and to, I did write a list which um, had more Demon Princes. So the Karkadrak, the interesting choice here is dropping the Karkadrak, putting in another Sorcerer Lord and a Chaos Lord. Now, the reason a Chaos Lord's interesting is because he has an ability to make a unit pile in an attack again. So you could get three from one unit? Yeah. Ooh, that's, some, that's some equity there. If you buff, if you buff the hell out of something, and you, you can so, And having two Sorcerers means you've got, obviously, another spell, so you've got a backup of something. You, you've also got the ability to do two Oracular Visions. So you can Oracular Vision two units... So, uh, and you've got that. So the Karkadrak is kind of a heart choice because I like the model. Um, He's but, cool. Yeah, and he is good, but I'm thinking if I was going pure competitive, I'd just take a Chaos Lord or another Sorcerer, and yeah. that gives me 10 points spare, which, you know, could be something or nothing. A triumph, like a triumph is badass on this mm. army. Like all of those things are good. You get reroll saves, great. That can be on some outlier on a flank who can't be reached. Reroll hits, cool. Revolt, like all of it is solid. You could, you could, I mean, you've, um, if you're making something fight three times in a phase, then hits or wounds would be savage because you could pretty much hit with everything, wound with everything, and do that three times. Yeah. So the list, the list would basically look like something like this. So you've, you've got your, um, you've got the, it's almost the same. You know, it's 10 points less. It's then got an extra character in it. Um, you, you've lost that kind of fighty, tanky, mortal wound character, but at the same time, the only thing that you do miss is the Knights of Chaos ability. So I think in this list, it's probably better because you don't have a lot of knights. You've only got like three units of five knights. Yeah. If you were running the list with the ten knights, you'd probably want to keep the Karkadrak for the Knights of Chaos to get the plus one to hit. But because it's a nice babysitter as well, isn't he? It's like a, yeah. um, a Kavalos with uh, the Death Riders. Yeah, and he also procs the corn. I mean the source the Chaos Lord would anyway, but he procs the corn ability. But so there's some play in the list and like, you know, if you if you were going I think with the Varangard, the, the Chaos Lord's probably better. Um so I it it's interesting, but I think from a visual point of view, I would prefer to have the Karkadrak. Because you've kind of got the Varangard, the Karkadrak, the source, you've got a bit of everything. Um and I think the other list might be better, but it's not so much better that makes me want to not play with this one. Because I don't think it makes much difference because it'll be situational. But because the Chaos Lord would be cool if you get that double pile in, but it still costs you a command point. And it's like, is that better than having plus one to hit? Well, obviously. But if the reroll charge means you're not actually get into combat, then that's probably better. I don't know you could spend a compound point to reroll charges, but it's it's six one half dozen the other really. But I yeah, it's um but I'm gonna collect the army. Uh that's gonna be my my starting point and I'm gonna paint it in my old black scheme and I'm gonna do those like I'm gonna change the robe colour to a nice crimsony purple that I, I mixed nice. uh Barrettnar Burgundy and um Inky by Darkness together. They mixed cream and pink cool. into it. It's got a really nice, nice. colour. 
Um, and I want to paint the Doom Sigil because I think the model looks amazing. Uh, and I think on the table it'll look good. And I think I'd better win games with it. And it's it's got it's I by doing corn. And why I don't really like the Nurgle armies is you're relying on your opponent to hit you in combat to do your damage. Whereas what you're doing in this is I'm going, well, I want to be better at combat. I want to be more reliable. I want to have rerolls. I want to have bonuses to wound, which is massive. I mean, like oh, getting bonus to wound. You're suddenly like old hammer. You're hitting on threes, wounded on twos. It, like, just, it just feels good that you're back in 8th edition. Um, <laughs> so like No one ever. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, but I think the the list itself that's what it does so um yeah Sweet, i like it i'm keen to play against it which will happen at some point soon hopefully. yeah i mean we've got a little thing coming up so i might proxy it so you get a chance to i don't know if i can get it built in time because it's quite a lot of stuff i need to build you um, can take my rogue eye and laugh and i'll cry It'll be great. <laughs> yeah well um there's a good segue on to crying and rogue idols so I think what we'll do is we'll take a little break uh, and then we yeah. can come back and we can talk all about the uh, Rogue Idol list you've been writing, Byron. Facehammer merchandise is available from elementgames.co.uk. Head over to the website and type Facehammer in the search bar to see the full range. From custom dice in a multitude of colours, paint racks to hold Vallejo Scale 75 Games Workshop and many more ranges of paints, and objective markers to make sure you never miss an objective again during match play. Head over to elementgames.co.uk and search for Facehammer. So if you want to support the show, pick up some cool gamer swag from the Element Games web store and level up your hobby. Then we are back from the break. Nice little quick breaks for you, Byron. So I know you're not used to this live, all this live recording we're doing now. No, it's grand. Um, I've got. I'm surrounded by homework. So yeah, you're just there going. Oh, I've got this stuff to do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know how I meant. I've just got like 13 lists, some on a tablet, some printed off with notes, and then a model or two. Nice <laughs> by yeah. Um, so do you want to talk us through? I mean, which list do you want to start with? I mean, let's let's start with the cunning ruck one, which is the kind of the one with 17 different characters and most in it and then yeah. we'll get less and less varied and more and more <laughs> honed but probably less competitive i think um as we go on so basically uh this list is essentially the, the exact list that i took to blood and glory a year ago and the reason i took this list is that i just wanted to run something different um that made me have to play my tits off in order to do well because so i i don't think i think the bone split is is a one all of the auric war clans apart from big war is i think one of the best written books that has ever come in age of sigma period and that's quite a big claim to make but the internal balance is huge uh if i look at the savage orcs the bone splitter section like everything pretty much you could you know like, oh obviously i'll take this obviously i'll take that the entire like it's wide open and that makes it a really fun army to collect i think um and none of it is so obviously the right thing that over something else that means that the points are probably about right and also the abilities are, are kind of like pitched at a fairly even level so you can do a little bit of shooting but that's not going to be their thing massively you can do combat in various ways the only thing that you can't get particularly apart from said junkie bloke um uh, which is a real issue is durability um but it just it is not a thing in the book but like you can get high damage you can get high move you can get a bit of shooting you can double down on your shooting you can buff your shooting 
you cannot have a resilient unit. And the fact that the only access to resilient unit is this overpointed bad boy here um, means that even if you have given him a two-up re-rollable save and you send him into someone, he's going to attract 100% of the attention from your opponent because they can touch any one of your other units and it is probably going to die. Now, you do have a couple of ways to make things more reliable. You've got a plus one to save spell. You've got a plus one to save dance. Um, they don't happen on automatically. The dance is on a three plus and you have to be within range. And the spell, you've got, you've got to get a spell off. And you're not particularly good. It's not like a magic-focused book. The spell law is brilliant. That's another amazing thing about the book. All of them are viable. and have pieces. You've got an ASL spell. You've got buff your armor save. You've got plus one to hit, um, charge, and run in the same spell, which is brilliant. Um, you've got a mortal rune breath weapon thing. You've got loads of stuff, but you cannot really get bonuses. Rogue Idol does give you plus ones cast within six inches and you can take some other items, but if you go into one of the, whatever they're called, the special clans, you lose some flexibility of the items you take on your general and stuff like that and command abilities. I'll run down this list first though. So yeah. this one uses <coughs> Cunning Ruck, which is expensive. We've, like, we've touched previously on points of um, battalions and stuff like that, and spending 140 points is quite a lot. Now what that gives you is the ability to have a move or a shoot in the hero phase uh, with a unit of arrow boys. You can do some other stuff with a normal orux, but in this, it's about the arrow boys. Yeah. They only hit on a four, they only hit on a five plus. They've got three shots each if you've got fifteen or more. So that is quite a lot of shots, but they're pretty crap. They don't have rend unless you're shooting a monster, and being in range is quite difficult. Um, I'll run through the list, then I'll talk about some of the army special rules because there are some things you can do uh, to get things in range. So. Uh, there is a savage big boss. He is pretty crap. He's there because of the formation. Um, Maniac Weird Knob, who is the caster on a boar, he's got one very important thing in that once a game you can re-roll a failed spell attempt, so he's just a bit more reliable than other stuff. Uh, generally speaking, I'd probably put the move on him. I used to put the combat buff on him, but I think the move, the, the new way that the book is, um, the move is the most important thing that's there. I've got a couple of Wardocks. They can dance to give you plus one to save, D3 wounds healed, or um, plus one to cast. Yeah. They can do that on themselves or someone else. It's pretty useful. Um, and then there is they work, the Word God Prophet, who is the general. He gets two spells. He has minus one to be hit in combat, seven wounds, a five plus save, and a um, on a four plus get a command point uh, every hero phase. He's a real kind of utility hub of the army, and I'm very glad that he's a bit more resilient. Everything in this book is squishy, as I've already touched on. 20 Arab Boys, 20 Arab Boys, 10 Savage Oryx. They're all in the Cunning Rock formation. And then kind of the two most fun parts of this army for me, uh, the Rogue Idol first, who is just a, a real beat stick. He's got movement 10. He's got two D6 damage attacks, which are threes and threes run two. 10, um, two damage attacks that are threes and threes run two. So he's fairly consistently gets to reroll ones when he charges, which is actually very relevant because if he's attacking you want that stuff to get through it's important within the army and then the stabbers are absolute glass cannons in yeah. every sense of the word like they super they scary stuff. though yeah they touch stuff and it dies and then they die and then on a four plus they, they do some runes when they die <laughs> when they throw their big spears away um so the things that i'm trying to kind of leverage with this are number one it's just a well-rounded list like nothing about yeah. it is particularly extreme it participates in every phase of the game it's got quite a lot of casts even if they're not very reliable and I, I haven't sacrificed for that. Like, I don't think you're in a brilliant place in the game to put, unless you're like Kairos or 
someone super reliable, I don't think it's a particularly good idea in general to be stacking up multiple wizards who've got incidental spells in Warhammer at the moment. But the Prophet, uh, the Prophet is kind of, he's got a bit more reliability with his item choices, uh, and he's my general, and he's a bit more survivable. The War Docs, they've got their dances, which make me feel okay, and they're quite cheap. And the, the Weird Knob, he's ironically the one I dropped, just after I, I said yeah. he's the most reliable caster. I think he's the one that I'd be dropping out if I was dropping anyone. Um, Army-wide rules for bonus splitters. Half your units get a five-inch pre-game move. I think that's called Savage Hunters or something like that. Um, that combines with the... If it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be taking Cunning Ruck ever. Like just it's, yeah. just it's just not worth it without. But that means that you can do your normal move of five inches plus a pre-game move of five inches and then get in range of something with your little crappy bows that was 28 inches away, even if it's just shooting once. And then other times, like 15-inch on, on deployment games, stuff like that, um, or if you use the double move spell, it means that you you might have options to reach out further or indeed shoot something twice. And even if that first shot is just at a screen, it's still you've got to be getting equity somewhere from your 140 points. It lowers the drops, but you have to take a savage boss, and I think that's attacked. Um, so the the pregame move is a big part of that. The pregame move, generally speaking, unlocks quite a lot for the army. If it wasn't for it, I don't think it could compete actually. So. Things that unlocks that people might not be aware of. Number one, making your first move effectively 15 inches with a rogue idle. That's just that's solid. You could have doubled yeah. his move as well. So you could be going you could be going uh twenty-five inches and then a charge with <laughs> so slides. Fast. It's it's brilliant. It's amazing. And the moment he's gone away from your army, the next turn he gets dramatically worse because you probably lost one or two points of armor save and re-rolling ones if you put Mystic Shield on him, because you do have quite a lot of spells. So if you're rocketing him off, that's generally what you do, but he does get way worse the next turn. That's worth remembering. Um, the other stuff that the move unlocks is the Word God Prophet has one of the Breath Weapon spells. Now, um, it does a mortal wound to everything in a unit. Um, it's range 24 on a 6+. plus. If you get a 10, that's um, modifiable, so with bonuses, yeah. it does the mortal wound on a 4+. plus. Right, this okay. army, apart from the shooting with the bows, which is crap, doesn't really have ways to do a massive amount of damage um, at range or in combat to stuff like a large amount of crap damage. It, it Unless you've rocketed 30 Sarajoriks into something, it doesn't have a huge amount of access to that. So that's really useful. So if you start the game and your opponent's got 40 skeletons, you could conceivably breath them, 40, uh, half that 40 die from that attack, and then you send a rogue idle and you sweep them up. And you need the ability for that in the army. So the pre-game move, uh, it's lovely to be able to get a Vortex in as well. Um, since points have changed, I can't do that, but I would really love to do that. Um, you get 5-inch moves, that's a 29-inch threat range on the spell. And if you've got the Vortex, it's a 35-inch threat range. Um, and getting plus 1 to cast from a Vortex, plus 1 from being close to Rogue Idol, and um, plus 1 from doing a Dance. You only need to get 7 on your dice to be doing doing that. So it's a really nice option, and it's quite difficult for people to play around as well. They don't expect you to use your pre-game move to, like, take your I was, week i was about to say do you like field. do you do you find that when you play people you get a lot of like your opponent deploys and then they just go oh shit you've just like i just didn't see that combo and i've just lost yeah. this piece or um yeah more more often than not you don't get the spell on the bonus but <laughs> like it's you, you can stack things in your in your favor a little bit to be like a 50 percent chance of doing that and that is a scary spell that might pull out a scroll or something like that and 
you can't get bonuses super reliably, but being at plus three to cast potentially makes it quite difficult for people to dispel. So, that. do you use cogs in for re-rollable casts then, rather than movement? Uh, a lot, yeah. So, yeah. It's, cogs is cogs is a bit of a. <clears throat> it's interesting. I'm, I debated taking it out, but the main reasons that cogs are there is because big stabbers have run and charge, so war scroll ability, and you can double their move and run and charge them, and that means that you can threaten to have the rogue idol and the big stabbers in turn one on people. Um, that is quite a lot of fairly reliable damage and fairly reliable resilience in someone's face with the rogue idols. Um, my war clan is Drakfoot, which ignores ethereal abilities and after saves. So you'll be quite reliable with that. But if your bone grins, where people can't run away from you, I was about to some... say, like, shoving an idol and being bone grins is probably quite, quite horrible for people. Yeah. Yeah, it's, he's got a five-up armor save. He's got a four-up save naturally, which is worse than it used to be. Um, but you can get plus two to his save, and you can get reroll ones from Mystic Shield. So he he's a really like a really tasty option for that reason. Um, there are some other things you can do to kind of force reliability into the list using the pregame move and casting. Um, but you would need Vortex. So there's an ASL spell, but it's range eighteen. I've mm. been trying to work out how to get this more reliably, and that. If you played a completely different type of list just by changing from cogs to vortex, you could take something that was a lot more, a lot less assertive, but probably more reliable and technical. Mm. If you like rocketed a, like you rocket, um, double the move on a rogue idol, send him in, pin someone there, they've got to charge him, and then you make another unit ASL and like get 30 boys close to it or something like that, and then they charge you and they're still ASL. Um, that's an interesting one. I've not played around that yet, but, um, Kind of, my ASL is list... always strikes last if people weren't aware. Thank you very much. So, <laughs> um, so kind of my, my learning points from the list so far is that it, it can compete way more than I thought it could, but it is entirely and completely unforgiving. <laughs> like, really, really is. Like, you are constantly sitting on a But that point. kind of makes you a better player, right? Oh, it does. I, I picked this to make me a better player. Like, um, ironically, the bone split has made me a worse player over ETC because I was playing a list. <laughs> yeah, it was a very a different that, book, though, wasn't it? So. Yeah, it was. I was playing a list that um, was uh, like. It was just Alpha massive... Strike. Doesn't matter yeah, what they put on the table, and then scramble. Exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah, like execute in the right way and then try and do a lot with very, a, very, a large amount of very weak bodies. It's a bit what Richie was talking about with Sylvaneth. It was like he had this whole planned phase and irrelevant what yeah. the other person had. He put the wood down, put a laryl in, put the thing, did the exploding wood, the bubble, teleported around. And then it's like, now put the Frost Phoenix into your army. Then you're like, now it's your go. And it's like, yeah. it doesn't matter what they've got. It's the same, same okay. pre-plan. And yeah. the choices might be what you put the Phoenix in, like what you shoot or how you shoot. But essentially, it's the same thing. And what you're doing is you're, you're almost, you're taking out the room for error because there's, you've already pre-planned and practiced that stage. Um, so it's quite interesting. Like, yeah, the problem with lists like that is when one of your things that is meant to happen very reliably doesn't happen, <laughs> doesn't. things start crumbling. Did you start going, remember, uh... <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember a few squeaky games where I didn't get off my plus one to hit spell, and I was like, well, I, I can't spell my command points because they're way less than half as useful. And I just end up like putting a screen in front and hoping that I won the priority well, when I would then try again running my hit my wizards backwards so that my opponent won't be able to reach them to spell stuff like that. This is completely different, but it's, it's definitely way worse. It's a bit I've like that Lumineth list that we talked about, that tournament yeah. win list that that you know we did a video on. That it, yeah. it's 
it, it kind of is a bit like that. It, it just it just yes. shoots so, and does its thing. Exactly. And, and yeah. yeah. So I think it's nice to have that flexibility. It is, and I've like I picked a book that I think is slightly behind the curve in terms of power to force me to up my game. I was either going to pick this or literally like Beastmen or something like that. And uh, large deciding factors. I also missed playing with a fully painted army that I could add units to fairly yeah. fast. That's that's a big consideration for this. So I've played this first um, for a couple of games. I played Seraphon. Um, I've played Big War, Iron Jaws, and I've played against um, uh, Undead with Chain Ghasts and Wizards and Strange Stuff and a Mortis <laughs> Engine. Um, it's a good list, and it was it was being handled by Luke, so it was very very well played. Yeah. Um, it had more game against all of them than I thought it would, mm. but the Iron Jaws, the Iron Jaws were really, really difficult. Um, I got to leverage the fact that I ignored um, after saves and ethereal ability when I played yeah. against the undead, which is very good. And then also the Lizardmen I played had Goat Trick in, and I ignored his three up after save. Um, so I killed him with four big stabbers, even though he was reducing the damage. Um, you've got the ability to war in it, which can be really scary, but my big consideration at the moment is whether Cunning Ruck is worth it at all and whether shooting is worth it, period, in this book. Because it is crap. I've just said how bad it is. Why am I taking a formation that... Do you think it's worth just around? leaning to having more bodies and having more big stabbers? Yeah, and that's more fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, so I, I really do think it is. Another thing you could lean into, I won't moan about them being overpriced too much, but the, the Rogue Idols is you, you can... Especially from Bone Grins, and he had two rogue idols. I think there is, there is a list there that is more technical than it would appear. Um, so I've written a new version of this, which is um, it's Coprux. I'm using a formation again that uh, after I moaned about them all being expensive again. <laughs> this is 140 points. I just think this list is so. Uh, the rogue idols aren't glass cannons, but your bodies that you score and win the game with glass cannon so i think having the choice of who goes first or not is really important so roughly speaking in the formation you would have three war docks and three units of 10 savage oric more boys they're the guys who've got loads of attacks i've then mm. lobbed in 30 savage orics because i need some bodies somewhere and you've got two rogue idols cogs and Coprock. and the idea with this in bone grins entirely and explicitly is that you would do these things in this order and then scrabble so it's kind of like the list we spoke about, but and the war docks are casters, right? Yeah, they're yeah, all casters. Right. They're not like you've got some. I haven't chosen items on them, but um, yeah. bone grins restricts you a little bit. You do have a formation though, so anything that gives you a bonus to cast or reliability with casting is what you should be taking on these guys for every reason imaginable. Um, the idea with this is you will cast cogs. You make sure that that wizard has the bonuses and is out of range. You'll cast cogs. You'll use it for the move. And your your rogue idols, then they've moved five inches before the game starts. Even if you don't get the double move spell, they move uh, ten inches, which is twelve. And then they charge at plus two to charge, um, maybe plus three if you buff one of them. You get into your opponent's face, and then your opponent cannot run away from you because that's what bone grins do. They yeah. have to charge you if they have the option, and they cannot flee from you. They can run around you, but then they like they can only stand in the right place if they run. They don't go don't get to go and fight your really very, very weak more boys. Um, and the 30 Savage Oryx, I don't know whether you give them spears or not. I think you probably would. Um, that unit is there to be another recipient of the plus one to save dance. 
and a plus one to save spell, which you would definitely have on one of your. So wizards. you're effectively tarpitting their army, forcing them to charge stuff that is tough and resilient, and then just outscoring. In theory, yeah, but there are major problems. Like if the objectives <laughs> you want to score are on your opponent's side of the board, I don't know what you do. Not much you can do about it. Yeah. No, I really don't know what you do, and if you could actually, you could actually take six big stabbers and use them in the same way and then it's it would a lot be of a... points in formation and cogs it's like it's a lot it's 220 it's yeah it's like i i'm more i i sort of write lists i just i just want more bodies on the table i want more things yes um absolutely i mean it's got a decent amount of wounds considering how many points are spelt there it's got 167 wounds in it wow that's um, a lot. yeah yeah because all of those 10 10 10 30 that is 20 20 20 60 as far as wounds are. Um, and the rogue idols have got 14 or 16 each. Um, 16. Yeah, so it's got more wounds than you'd you'd typically have. I think as well, though, like you said they're squishy, so it's like they've got a lot of wounds, but they're not like resilient wounds. No. And it's... if you... One of the lovely things about this list is that if you want them to survive, you have to run your war ducks up the table after them and then dance to heal. <laughs> um <laughs> So, um, but like boogieing but, behind but, the rocks. Exactly. Yeah. One person boogieing to give him a save, one person boogieing to get his wounds back. But the, the thing is that it is devastating to see one of those guys get two or three wounds back. That's really very painful for someone yeah. to see. Um, also, that list comes out at 1960. I don't know how many points Emerald Life Swarm is, but you never see it, so I presume it's not that high. I think um, it's like 30. So it's quite cheap. Yeah, so, so you could squeeze that could squeeze that in there and then have a couple of options for healing. You can't rely on the magic in this list, but um, I think that one's interesting and is not strong, but definitely would confuse people and they wouldn't realise how how weird it was to play against until they were playing against it and they had two piles of rocks in front of their face that were pinning half their army. Um, if someone screened, though, you'd be, <laughs> you'd be devastated. You'd have to do some slightly weirder stuff. Um, so that's kind of the, the middle ground list. And then... There is the uh, there is <laughs> the, the silly full... one. Yeah, I mean, if we weren't silly enough already, here is how to spend twelve hundred and sixty points on rocks. Um, two war docks, three units of ten savage orc mora boys, three rogue idols, um, coprock and cog. So that is a four drop list rather than a five drop list. It doesn't have the thirty block, and instead you have another rogue idol. Um, this one you would be mad if you went in Bone Grins because that is all you have to win games where this army is stopping people from being able to run away from those three piles of rocks. But that is a massive amount of frontage. These bases, I don't know, they're probably like six inches wide. Um, they're on the nice get, base, aren't they? Like the big, yeah, the just, big wide just getting to, Yeah, just getting to run up and... <laughs> yeah, they're massive. It's huge. Just yeah. getting to run up and cover that much of your opponent's board. I'm going to measure this now. So even if you, uh, you leave a six-inch gap six between them, no one can go between them, can they? Because they can't. So no, and that, I mean, if they go between them, they then have to charge one of them as well. You said it's what six um, and a half. Yeah. So it's what six plus six plus six plus six plus six. So what's that like? Thirty inches. Wall? Yeah. Plus plus one and a half. It's, yeah. it's half the board. So it's like thirty inches. Like yeah. Pretty much uh, like holding people in. So it's a bad list. <laughs> I don't want anyone to think this is a good <laughs> list whatsoever. Um, you have 30. This isn't going to make you a bad player, is it, Byron? With the six up, <laughs> with the six up safe. No, but you have a great time. You probably drink a lot of beer. <laughs> um, 
But that that one is kind of if I go to an event and I want to have a silly time and convert another one of these, I've got a normal one. I've got the gorilla that I made. Um, I might convert another one to be like this or something like that. Um, Hope that would smash. be a fantastic one to run. Yeah, and I think um, if you played Bone Grins with a rounded list, you could then drop to this and and be playing this at a technical level that other people wouldn't see, like in terms of where you left your gaps, what you did with your guys. Um, maybe you don't need cogs um, in it because you've got two guys that might make the charge and that would open up a like room for other spells. But um, Put another war dock in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you well, get inspired by other character for that. Yeah. Um, so that's... That's basically where I've where I've kind of gone with it. I do think the one with two rogue idols has more game than people would think. It's five drops, two rogue idols, formation, uh, thirty-seven drops, four dropped. Yeah, actually, yeah, they're both four dropped. So both of them are fairly low. Um, Cogs is debatable in both. Um, I do think Emerald Life Swarm actually would be nice. Um, although thirty savage orcs or a rogue idol, any triumph you could get on those units is fantastic. That's one nice thing about underpointing these lists. Like if you send a rogue idol in with re-roll saves when he's at plus two to save against someone's rent two unit, it's unbelievably good. Getting yeah. re-roll to wound on him when he's threes to wound is just outstanding. Um if you dropped cogs, you could be renegade and ally in a war chancer as well. Um plus one damage on the rogue idols is a really good option. And he's a resilient hero. So um Yeah, my bad. Iron Jaws army that had a rogue idol in I allied in a war dog, so <laughs> Yeah, okay. <laughs> Yeah, because swapping it. Yeah, it was similar, and I I wanted the rogue idol to give the bonus to cast for the teleport, which was why I had it. Um, oh yeah, it's a really a really nice a really nice way to do it, and because he's not an ally, you've got room for it. Yeah, um, but yeah. I I also rewrote the original list and played around, and basically I ended up dropping out the big boss, who's ninety points, and the cunning rocks are getting two hundred and thirty points, and dropping uh the arab boys to normal savage orcs and you can get a list which has 30 savage orcs 10 savage orcs and then um if you are bonus bleeders allegiance which you are uh you can put in the boars as battle line and i think the boars are a really really interesting option because their vanilla speed is just faster than any any of the other oric things in the book um they get plus two to their charge like every oric unit with a musician does and They've got three wounds each. They're quite fast. Their attacks aren't bad. And if you war them, they are ridiculous. In terms of like a massive quantity of average quality attacks, it is unbelievable the output from one of those guys. Um, you could take uh, the, the guys who are, they've got four attacks because they've got no shields. If you really want to like bone down on this and you end up with four attacks per boar and six attacks per dude, I think you can get it to seven attacks per dude as well. So you can send in each one model has 11 attacks, um, which could be uh, threes to hit, fours to wound, I think, or something like that. I can grab the book and check. But um, that's really interesting because yeah. there, there isn't a screen in the game that can survive that charge. No, I know. The boars are... I, I think I think the thing about like Savage Orcs, they don't really appeal to me. And I think they like, they just seem to be a little bit lacklustre uh, from the damage output and the survivability is not really there. Um, yeah. So I always lean towards the Iron Jaws just for further models. Um, yeah. But I think it's interesting that you're sort of still trying to like look at more the the bone split aside than than like the big war or um, yeah the Iron. I mean, Jaws the main side. reason is is actually ironically that they're not as good. 
Okay, <laughs> you can become you can become a good player with anything from this book. Like, please avoid Big War. It'll make you a worse player. You can use that once you've earned it. Um, but that's not going to make you good at Warhammer. Well, um, I think Big War is technical to a point. Um, but I it, think it, it's it's managing a tally. It's like yeah. running Epidemus or something like that. But you can you could get way more learning and then be like, cool, it's an event. I'm Big Warring after a couple of games. And you get slightly more reliable casting. Like, I'm not saying like, it's great. It's really good. But I think you should definitely try out the other less tempting stuff because it I, is less tempting. I think there's something to be said for trying out less used units anyway. And then if you're playing our war clans and you've got a big war and you've got a bit of everything, you might as well try and run pure bone splitters, try and run pure iron jaws. Exactly. To to find out the nuances of those units and what difference they make. So, you know, like the buffs you get in one over the other. Command abilities. Uh, yeah, yes. and, and yeah. where you... Minus one to hit from Iron Sun and stuff like that. It's some real equity in all of them. It's all about understanding the tools that are available to you. So this yeah. is the problem with um, swapping armies a lot, that you yep. you don't have that depth of experience where... You might do some math, you might better do some test rolling, but you haven't got 50, 60 games worth of experience to draw on no. where you know, oh, I've been in this place before, or I know what happens here roughly because yeah. I've done this a few times. Um, so I personally think that there's something to be said for perseverance and patience with, with your army and um, trying to play stuff that isn't necessarily the best thing in the meta because that's probably going to get affected by the updates which yeah. means you can't play that anymore yeah um, exactly and then you'll just feel like oh the army's got worse so I'm going to move on but actually what you probably should do is if it's an army that you were playing not because it was powerful but because you wanted to play it is try to go how do I make this competitive with the changes and where, yeah. where you'll, should you'll be I there when the dust settles like very well yeah. experienced with a variety of units and if Suddenly, you need to be able to kill screens better because I don't know, like, like daughters of Cain make a resurgence, and there's just ten witch elves everywhere or mm -hmm. something. Then you like, and they for some reason got a five up rerolling save. Um, you've then got <laughs> a unit of you're like <laughs> hardest unit in Warhammer. Um, They're wearing bikinis. Tanky little Nurgling. <laughs> They're sparkly. It makes it makes you blind. You can't yeah. hit them. But um, then you you can run out your savage. Orc, boar boy maniacs. Like, no one's ever said those words because no one apart from Ian Spink's run them. And Ian Spink managed to go four and one consistently again and again and again and again. Using yeah. an army that no one had seen and units that no one had seen because he tried them and he understood them. But, um, yeah, the, uh, the stats on that unit, uh, they got four attacks each, fours and threes. And if there's five or more models in the unit, they add one to their attacks. They've got five attacks, fours and threes, no rend, one damage. And the ball's got two attacks, which are threes and threes on the charge. So you could send five guys in having ward and be just just doing just so much damage. It's unbelievable. Like seven uh, seven attacks without a war, and then um, nine or 11 attacks, depending on how your war goes. And they could be plus one to hit. Um, yeah, they, like that is enough to wipe out any screen there. And it's just five guys. And then they've only got a six up save, but they've got 15 wounds too. So on a... And we spoke about small footprints. Those five guys, they can be like three and a half, four inches wide with all of that damage going into the flank of a unit. Uh, they are movement 12. I got their move wrong. I didn't realize how incredibly fast they are. <laughs> that is um, 
He used to go right? So, yeah, release the, release the flying 24-inch plus one to charge, uh, plus one to hit um, baby dudes. But you could also run them in a tent. Yeah. And that is, um, that's really interesting. And the idea with that, I think, particularly if you do have a rogue idol, and it's why he's a, such a regular feature in so many of the lists, is that he is fast. He can get there without help. Um, and when he gets there, he can be resilient. So generally speaking, it's really important to know how many of your units are in combat or you've got the ASL, the always strike the last spell off somewhere else like that because you want to be going first with this unit because it's your turn. Um, then this unit doesn't care about the thing they're in combat with because that thing is always strike last and the rogue idol doesn't care because he's a rogue idol. If you get that type of stuff wrong with this army, you just lose a unit for free. And that's, yeah. that's, a, that's a big part of me picking it is... I wanted something that punished me to that degree. Like both the games that I've played, or the three games that I've played recently, every single one of them I've used the big stabbers wrong somehow, and they've still been great, but they could have been really great. So I killed Gotrek um, and then had them half an inch out of place so they couldn't, uh, when they died, throw their D3 mortal wounds in the right direction. I did, I had them half an inch out of place for my war when I played against the big war list which mm. means that I had six less attacks and I could have wiped out some Gore Grunters rather than killing one and three quarters of them than them killing me back. Um, and all of these things really add up. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to try out some different forms of the list. I want to try out 30 Savage Oryx. I think that's a good option. And in combat, you can get them to a three plus save if you dance and you do a spell at them. And 60 wounds with a three plus save is just 60 wounds with a three plus save. Yeah, um, You've got to have a character close to them for um, immune to Battleshock using that command ability because they just, even with that, their bravery is bad. Uh, they're going to get punished. And then the other thing I'd like to try is perhaps just screwing off trying to be low drops all together and having like three units of two big stabbers just for the flexibility. Um, I think that sounds sexy, but it might be completely impossible to use because they're so fragile. Uh, but them standing behind 10 guys or them running up and being in a little bubble of boar boys and just standing there in the middle that's quite unique. Like three inch reach with a lot of damage fairly reliably is um, pretty solid. And then doing stuff when they die is just, it's a bit of a bonus. Well, it's like they deal with them and they get hurt. So it's pretty good. Yeah. I was thinking about the slaves list and whether, whether taking like spell portal and taking like the strike last and things like that would be good because it would allow you, if they gave you the first turn, you could then like make them go last. If they charge you, they go in after you hit them anyway and stuff like that. But I, I yeah. just think the magic's too unreliable unless you go Cabalist yeah. and then the list is really completely different. And then you're, but you, yeah. you could lean into that as well. That's why yeah. I think, I think that's the good thing about, I mean, I know you've been talking about the Oric War Clans book, but the slaves book and the same Vince said, it's almost like five books in one. Because you've got all the four different chaos oh, gods so and slaves, yeah. so there's so many options. I just don't think once you've got a core, be... you could you could customize yeah. forever. It's like free, it's like free cities, but not stupid. Yeah, uh, and it appeals to me, and I think that it's not the most powerful thing. And I, I'm not going to be naive enough to know that Bellacore won't get affected by a points change or an update. Um, because, <laughs> but I mean, end of the day, it's like he's a useful tool. And I think the problem is he is a standout, so I imagine he might be adjusted, but I'd hope that some of the other stuff might get adjusted down or there's some choices. Yeah. Like I still think the Carcadrack's too expensive for what he is. The Vanguard, he's 230, the Varangard well. probably need to come down as well. Every monstrous cavalry in the game yeah, it, it suffers from that Mournfang syndrome. I mean, you, you look it. at the points costs of those, and I think that, that there's... I, I Hopefully it'll come out in the wash, you know. Um, 
but you know that's all good so i think we could probably take a break come back and talk generically about writing lists with your favorite faction to be competitive yeah and better at warhammer so we're back in a sec Want more Facehammer content? Then head over to YouTube and check out Facehammer TV. We've got lots more videos on there and lots more Warhammer Age of Sigmar content. So if you want to see some of the painting that we've done, make sure you go over and check it out. If you want to be part of our wider community, then we've got a Discord server for like-minded people who love AOS. The link to our Discord is in our profile on Twitter. It's also on our website and on our YouTube page. So make sure you click there and join the community to get involved. And we are back from the break. Uh, just want to talk a little bit about some general principles about writing a list that's going to make you better at Age of Sigmar and yep. um, a list that uh, you might use a, a non-meta book or f- writing a list which can be effective in, in a book yourself rather than copying someone else. Um, and yeah. I think it's important to realise that this is part of the hobby and what will make you a better player is doing this work yourself. Also caring, like, yeah, for sure. If something is your baby and you wrote it yourself, you will care about it and you will want to do better of it as well. And I think that is, that's the first thing that we need to touch on because it is so easy to underestimate how much of a factor wanting to do well for your boys is on the table. Right? And, and that was, uh, like, undoubtedly when I was doing really, really well with my weird Phoenix list, I w- I'd taken something that I genuinely didn't think was that good. Like people hadn't realized, including me, how good it was. But I really wanted to be like, like, oh my God, you're running dragon princes. I want to make these work. I want to make my dragon work. I want to make my birds work. I want to make my 10 spearmen work. This like, I felt like my back was against the wall. Little did I realize it, it, it wasn't. But I really wanted to them to do well and for me to do well with them, for me to learn with them. And I think that is a huge part of, if you've crafted something yourself, that's just a. It's just different from the first step, right? Yeah, I think you you go through a couple of bits of this process. So one is discovery. So you might come up with a concept or an idea, and then you you go right. How do I apply that from my faction? I want to use X model, X war scroll. Then start read the war scroll. What's it do? What else complements it? What synergizes with it? And I think the point is that process is really important for you to understand what everything does. So make sure you maximize the opportunity in the game. You know all the buffs, you know all the rules. The problem when you copy someone else's list, even if it suits you and it suits your play style, that's another topic, you haven't done that work. So you're going to forget rules. Like I didn't start by understanding its components. Yeah. I mean, I did it when I took the bone, uh, the beast core raider list that tom ran i just copied his list i was being lazy i did read through the book but when i played the tournament i know i made mistakes i forgot things because it's not something that i crafted myself and it's not something that i'd read the rules thought about then created i copied now again it suits my play style and i read all the rules and And i've got a pretty good memory and i like it but i didn't do that enough of that research crafting your homework. to make it yeah i didn't do my groundwork i just just relied on someone else's groundwork and and what you do as well you miss opportunities to improve on something because 100 you're assuming it's the best because it did well but the other list variant hasn't been played because nobody's done it so you don't know 
and it's like what you said about your list, is I think discovery of playing games and understanding don't play one game and go, oh, that, that lost, that was rubbish. You need to analyse why or what was problem problematic for you. Then Try think about... It, return with the same list. Well, is it is it a problem? Was it just unlucky? Could it have gone the other way? Is it a weakness that you have to accept? So no army in Age of Sigmar is going to be the best at everything and not have any problems and have good matches across the board. If it does, it ain't going to last very long. So <laughs> I'd say for starters is you will have a list, it will have weaknesses. So take my Slaves Army, for example. It's not very good against shooting. If someone can get rid of the heroes, it struggles. It's very strong against people who want to use mortal wounds or fight you. Um, it's not good against rend. So if you've got a lot of rend, not a lot of mortal wounds, it'll struggle because the rerollable armor save and I don't get my five up. So that's what's going to hurt me. You know, if you've got a way to kill the demon prince or the sorcerer, that'll break my army down. So it's got weaknesses, you know, but the point is I understand what they are and I can play around them. And that's do the you point. Think it's, do you think it's important, we're, we're talking about uh, lists for people to get better at the game, do you think it's important to try and participate in everything? So magic, combat, shooting, movement. I mean, some armies just don't do that, right? No. How do you handle this? Like, you, you're not shooting, you're slaves to darkness. You, you're not bothered about shooting. No, I think you can forget one phase quite like and go fine i mean it's always the trope that warhammer's always been about fighting eventually every game's going to come down to fighting so i think for me magic and fighting has to be in an army or shooting and fighting i don't i don't like armies that don't fight that's why i struggle with ko ko don't fight i don't really like that i, I, I don't really like armies that don't go in scrap so there are armies out there that don't rely on fighting the, the combat Just phase. Just loads but of resilient people here or tag I, or I don't think that'll make you good at Warhammer because it, you need no, to right. understand that phase of the game. It's very important. Um, I think you don't have to have shooting, but I think if you've got shooting, Agreed. target priority is a thing, and that's something yeah, that you have fun. to learn. Um, you can treat your magic as you're shooting as well. Yeah. If it's magic missiles, they're kind of interchangeable. But your, your, what you charge and what you fight is target priority anyway. It's just how to deliver that damage. I think um, if it if I was like first point of what I would say to people is obviously you've got to set your own objectives when you collect an army what you want to do and I'd say always pick an army you like the models you like the background you like the aesthetic of them. If it was me as well, <laughs> and I was a new person, I would be trying to find an army that has a bit of has lots of units to pick from has lots of options. So I would say something like Stormcast are very good. Perfect. You've got lots of units. You've got combat. You've got shooting. You've got magic. You've got you've got a bit of everything. You might not like Stormcast, so don't collect Stormcast. But you could go Lumineth for a good example. They're, they've got a lot of different things in there. They're a little bit more specialized, a bit more honed. Um, you know, I think Auric War Clans are a good book. They don't have really shooting, but they've still got a a good mix of units and they've got some interesting stuff in there. I think they're a little bit more technical than people probably think they are. Um, but I think it's like most books ogres are good. Are, yeah, Ogres, Corn. Uh, mm. I would add to that list too. Yeah. Uh, Grim's Bite list gets, I would perhaps avoid because the amount of models on the table. Obviously, if you really love them, then absolutely take it. But it, I think it's, it's I think quite a lot to manage you, in a Grim's Bite list. If you take Gloom Spite, 
you there are lists in there that aren't just lots of bodies. Trials. Um, so, yeah. Um, I think that you... They're one of those books that I think is in a little bit of a bad spot at the moment. Um, I'd say Night Haunts probably similar as well. Um, Agreed. It's it doesn't mean they're that so fast to paint and so cool. You can't play them. It's just that understand that where they're sitting. Um, and the point is, if your objective is to learn the game, right? Winning or losing doesn't matter. Understanding why you won or lost, and was it down to decisions? that you could have done better and improving is important. So I think the frustrating bit is, is when you get into a situation where you're like, okay, so this game, I I didn't have an option. Yeah, I, I can't think of something I can do. And equally, if you're playing in an environment like a tournament environment, I talk about that because that's my kind of wheelhouse. I mean, you might play at a club or your friends around your garage. It's the same thing. That's your environment. If you know that everyone's playing Bone Reapers, then you're like, well, there's three Bone Reaper players. And I'm like, actually, this army really struggles with Bone Reapers. You're going to have a tough time. But what you've got to understand is that if you're in a club environment or game environment, you could also say to your friends, like, hey, don't take that. It's a bit silly. It's a bit one-sided. Can we kind of tone it down a little bit? Can you try some different things out? Um, Or you could just accept that and just say, well, I know that, but I need to think in my head that if I go to an event, I might not play Bone Reapers, so I can't yeah. just design a list to beat Bone Reapers because that's not going to help me anyway. Yeah, Think, thinking about it is really important, though. You've made a good point there because if you can beat Bone Reapers, they play somewhat similarly to a couple of other armies, Fire Slayers, you know, the, the block, my block does a lot of stuff, mm. that type of army. And if you if you do bash your head against that wall enough times and think about it, whether you win or you lose, or it's close or it's not close, um, and you make small adaptions that aren't my list is here to beat Bone Reapers it's, it could deal with it if it happens then when you come to the event someone might rock up with Bone Reapers think that like this is an easy game and you're like aha I have played Bone Reapers 700 times here is my like left field renegade tactics of um, I don't know I start and my units are like in the back corners of the board and you can't do anything for two turns and then I win on something else yeah I think um, <clears throat> when you when you write a list I think it's important to understand what you're good at. Uh, so if you know, like, so my slave's army is good at disrupting combat and it's good at surviving in combat. It's good at grinding. So the choice of lances or in sword, I should be thinking I'm going to be grinding, so I should go in sword. It's kind of yeah. obvious. Like, if my list is more about alpha striking or countercharging or doing something like that, then, then lances become more appealing. So these kind of little decisions will become easier when you know what your game plan is, what your generic approach is. So for me, the the worries is all I just went, how many re-rollable armor saves can I get in my army? And how many ways have I got to disrupt my opponent charging me or doing stuff? So Bellacore, Bloodstick Ground, lots of re-rollable saves. Now, that wasn't necessarily because that was what I wanted to do and I went and found that book was the best at it. It's because I looked at Warrior War Scroll and the Night War Scroll and the Warriors re-roll armor saves. And I thought, well, actually, they've got a water wound save. So if I can re-roll the saves on those guys and I wanted to be good in combat, corn fit. If I've got a corn demon prince, I get bloodstick ground. I looked at the spoilers, I get command points. So I kind of you just can't look at stuff and start making choices to lean into your strength. Now... The flip side of that is understand what your weakness is. So, you know, I'm weak. Do you weak. combat it or do you just accept it? Yeah. Do you mitigate it? 
do you double up? So if you know your is pivotal around one model, take two. You just take two of the same thing because they have to kill two then, not one. I have to have access to this command ability on this 100-point dude. Yeah, so uh, take two of them. I can't make him resilient, or I can give him a, one of them a 5 Or take three of him. One. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, not. it's not, unless it's not a special character, I mean, you're like, well, I tell you what, I'll, like, for me, my weakness is I've got one cow sorcerer, so in my head, I'm thinking I should have two, really. So it'll probably happen down the road if shooting becomes very prevalent or I keep losing the sorcerer. I just have to take two. I used to take two blood secretors. Like, they didn't... They didn't stack. I took two anyway because you can't kill two and two. It's a lot harder than killing one. Um, so understand your weaknesses. Understand your strengths. Um, that would allow you to assess the table. Like when, you, when you're at a table and you could see what they're bringing, it also helps with target priority because if you know what you're weak against, you know they're a priority. If you can remove them at range or with a spell or mitigate them with an ability or you know that you need to get a certain buff on or off to to deal with them, that becomes your priority. You're going, well, that's what I need to do. So that makes the decision process easy. You know, what do I screen? What do I what do I use Enfeeble on? What do I what do I use Bellicor's ability on to this Dark Master? You know, it's the thing that I'm gonna struggle with. So when I played Carl, I did it on the Stalker unit, I used six stalkers because they can go up to like Ren Free. I don't really want Ren Free going into my four up rerollable armor save because that means my armor <laughs> save does nothing. Yep. Then I don't get a, a after save because they're not mortal wounds. So that unit would have just rinsed my unit of knights. So I shut them down. And that and then I got to dictate the combat on them, which allowed me to kill them before they could be effective. So I think the that's really important is to understand your what your army does well, what it does badly. And when you look at your opponent's army, knowing what it does, and if, if you don't know what any of it does, if you know you struggled at stuff that can deploy nine away and charge, or stuff that's particularly got a lot of rend, just say to your opponent, just does anything do mortal wounds in combat? Like, if you don't know what this stuff does, <coughs> you don't need to memorize all the war scrolls. That's, just say... You can ask throughout the game as well. Yeah, and, and just say, do they have a, anything like minuses to hit or anything like that? Or... Do you have a way of deploying a unit outside of your deployment zone or, or teleporting? Do you have a teleport? Do you have a setup within nine away kind of ability? Um, and you will get caught out when you're learning, but that's a learning experience. And I think the you won't always know everything. And I think sometimes it's better to play the game and learn from the loss than it is to worry about playing the game perfectly and asking about all the rules and slowing the game down so you get two turns in. You're better off playing five turns and getting that experience going away than reflecting on it than you are trying to play the perfect game when you're in a position of that. Because Yeah, I'd entirely agree with that. It might be that you need to get to the end of the game and if your opponents tell you, well, actually, you could have deployed differently and you're like, yeah. whoa, like knowledge bomb, shit. Yeah. And I think that when you start Age of Sigmar, and I found the same when I got into War Machine... It's very daunting because there's a lot of war scrolls. There's, I think there's over 800 war scrolls. There's a lot of rules. There's all the allegiances. There's all the artifacts and spells. And there's all these like grand formations, whatever they're called, yeah. like hosts and all this. You, you're not going to know it all. And I think that the best way to learn that is to play games. And you might better sit down with a book, read it and memorize it. But there's a lot of stuff to read. And there's a lot of money to buy all the books. 
So I would say um, what you're better off doing is getting out there, playing games, learning from experience, and um, but make sure you make like either. And one thing that I used to do is keep a little journal of my games, so I could write down learning points or, or things that happened, so I can go must check. Like even if you take photos on your phone, just say, "Can I take yeah. a photo? Take a photo of the board state." You know, deployment. of where stuff is. Take a picture of your deployment. That's yeah, so and then look at it back later, and it will just remind you the thought like, process oh, of the game. <laughs> and you go, "Why did I do that? I should have done this." And like, but that's that's part of the journey. Um, so when you write a list, I think you need to think about environment you're playing in, and that's like whether with whatever you're doing. So if you're playing in a tournament, look at the rules pack. What scenarios are in play? Realms in play? Do I need? To, what's the meta? Like, who's going? If you go into the event and you know there's an entry list, there's people going. Look on the rankings. What do they play? Oh, well, so-and-so's been playing Deepkin. That goes, that, those top players play, like, Deepkin, da 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 da, da. You probably have to deal with a Deepkin army. So if you're playing KO, they're a real problem. So do you just accept the fact that you might play Deepkin, it's going to be a tough game and you might lose? Or do you try and mitigate it in your army list? And that's a decision to make. And I think... The danger is to react too much, and then you go in and don't play Deepkin at all, and you play Zinch four times. But it's, I think it's um, part and parcel. But just accept the fact you're not going to be good against everything. There are going to yeah. be tough games, but learn from those games and don't. <clears throat> and my biggest piece of advice is play to win at all times. Never ever go. I've lost this game because they've got X. And I've got Play to minimize a loss. You're not you like you're not gonna achieve anything by that. I've seen this a lot. So even if it's a, a one in one in eight chance, um and by taking that chance you leave your army wide open. Let's say it's your opponent's got a teleport unit and they need to fail a charge. If you know you cannot do anything else other than that, then you should take that chance. And if it happens and you lose in like twenty minutes, at least that but don't play the entirety of the game trying to lose as slowly as possible because that's that's definitely 100 percent not going to give you a single chance of winning and after you've done that and lost you can just beat your opponent like okay that's over it took an hour like do you mind if we see what have happened if i try to give myself a chance and you had failed your charge or whatever um run through it have a chat have a think about it just chill out enjoy the break or whatever but um yeah don't play to no. don't play to not lose it's they're very very different from playing to win no, and I think um, when you look at uh, battle tomes as well, or armies, it's good to understand the play style. If, you, if you're thinking about collecting an army and you're not sure about it, and you're like, oh, I like the models and that, but I'm not sure about the game inside of it, if that matters to you, then ask a good player who plays it. Just message them. Tweet them. Well, what, you know, yeah. I see you play Deepkin a lot, or I see you play this army a lot. What what can you tell me? Is it is it just eels? I mean, uh, should I? I mean, is there anyone playing something other than eel lists? And then you go, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there are, there are people, and and there are people doing well with it. Consider and then you this, go, yeah, I've well, been trying out this renegade shark list. You know, hit hit like, and you might decide that you go, I'm going to play frolls, and I'm going to try and get the best out of my frolls. And you say, well, what's how do I do that? Look at the deep convert, look at the formations, look at the soul soul renders, and go, okay, well, I can get them back, I can heal them, I've got this formation, this this house which does this, this ally thing that buffs them or, or compensates for a weakness, then you, you're you already winning than just doing 18 wheels with Volturnus because you're actually thinking about what you're doing. 
um, and you might lose more games, but you'll learn more. And I think the you, I, I would my advice would be to try and try and do something different. And there will be people using those units or lists similar, but don't fall into the trap of just of just leaning into the list that you've seen that looks good. And you might look at a list and go, I really like that. That looks awesome. But try and make it yours. Try and change it. Try and improve on it. Try and, you know, don't just copy it. And I think if you play a battle tome that is reliant on one scroll, like Deepkin, I talk about these a lot. Deepkin are a classic example. If that eel scroll got changed or the points got adjusted, that entire battle tome would have fell over. You you saw it with KO in the early days in the first book. Some changes happened. The book became not worth really playing and they, they yeah. disappeared. And so people did play them very little and they weren't up around the top anymore. So it was basically clown car or nothing for a lot of KO players. There are people out there who disagree with me, that's fine. But my opinion, it was clown car, there was lots of them, and then there was no clown car because the FAQ changes, the war scroll changes, then you didn't see KO. So for me, try to find a book that's got a little bit more depth to it. Now, some of the newer books are not rounded. Uh, they're just not because they don't have the depth of scrolls like the... There are some ex- exceptions, like you, you get like, the, the the original Sylvaneth Battle Tome. It wasn't very deep, but actually it had a lot of play in it. Um, and I think that some of this is an experience, and you might not necessarily know what is what has got a lot of choice in it. But you can look at a book, and if it's only got four War Scrolls in it, it's probably not going to be that flexible. Yeah. It might be perfectly fine, and you might be able to play with it, do well with it, but then... When stuff adjusts and you want to change it and you want to freshen it up and you want to, you know, make it more interesting, you don't have anywhere to go. Like, so you need to make sure that if you really like shooting, definitely pick a battle tome that's got units that shoot. Because otherwise, Multiple units, <laughs> not one. So don't, don't play don't death. Take, <laughs> yeah, don't don't take like my old bone splitters etc army where there's only one shooting unit and that's mm. definitely too strong and it's going to change because then you end up with 60 of these guys with bows and you're like well i still want to play bone splitters and i have five characters and that's it yeah okay let's let's now paint the entire rest of the army um you could take stormcast or something like that they've got judicators they've got um the long strikes they've, they've got yeah, hurricane yeah. crossbows they've got paladins yeah, they've got they've got a wide open allies pool like that's a perfect example yeah you know. all the jazz uh, hunters, Vanguard hunters. I know Jack loves his Vanguard hunters. Uh, but yeah, uh, so I think I think like you know, without I mean, it's very generic advice. But I'd say play what you love, what you enjoy. Think about the environment you're in. Understand your strengths. Understand your weaknesses. Um, learn from your games. Um, try and craft the list yourself. Don't copy. Um, if people tell you not to play something or change it, don't change the list until you've played games of it. Yeah. Play at least three or four games, try and play different things, then change it based on your experience, not somebody's opinion. And not your pers- not your your original intention. Like, if you mm. take a unit of nine trolls and you're like, this is my hammer, like, I'm going to plow it into people's face and it is going to F shit up. And then you take it and you plow it into people and it does a, an average amount of damage. Don't be so married to your original idea for that unit that you can't see that actually it's incredibly resilient it's not killed anything in any games, but it's not died. Yeah, that, that's that's a really really big part of it. When you're an- analyzing these things, you might be like, oh, I love those drum models. I want to go and kill people with them. Maybe they don't get to go and kill people with them, but 
perhaps they just hold up half your opponent's army for an entire game, like nine games out of ten. In which case, analyze what happened on the table, not what you wanted to happen, or your like your perfect scenario plan for this unit. Be be willing to change from your original. And I think this is about knowing your strengths and weaknesses. So in your head, that example, you went, I want a, a damaging unit that goes in and messes stuff up. So you lead it into trolls because the models have big hammers and look really aggressive. And you think yep. they're a really good ha hammer. Actually, they're an anvil. And by playing, you realize they're an anvil. Then you go, well, actually, what I need then is I need a hammer. So you might go back to your Gloomspite Gits Battle Tome and look for the hammer in the list. So it's understanding if you're playing, actually, I need Mangler Squigs because they're my hammer and this is my anvil. But it's understanding that is key. Now, that doesn't mean you can't play with Trogoffs. That it just understand what they do and what they're good at and understand that if you're using them in the wrong place, then that's not how you should be playing with that unit. You know, it, 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 it's just not going to get the maximising ability of that unit out of the game. For sure. The other things that I'd say are, if you are struggling with your list that you really want to make work and you're losing games, you don't have to deploy on the 12-inch line. Like, like it, it sounds like such... You do not have to deploy on the 12-inch line. I couldn't say that enough, loud enough. Like, oh, I lost my game. I put my guys there and he came into me and he turned one, did, like, cool. Deploy, like, a screen on the 12-inch line and then the rest of your army, like, four inches back from that and give yourself a chance. If, like, that, that doesn't apply to every game. Please don't take that as entirely black and white, but so many times people employ just their... deploy there just because they can. And it's a really bad idea in a lot of matchups that you could completely change in your favor otherwise, and you can make your boys win the game rather than lose the game, and it happened as the first thing you did before the game even started. But it's understanding that, that it's not... There isn't a set plan that works for every game, and that's why I don't like lists that you try to craft that plan before you start the game. You need to understand the impact of your opponent's army so if you're playing, like you were saying, don't deploy on the 12-inch line. So if I, I'm like, for me, I got my W and I put my Duntane Beast and they go 9 inches forward, 11 inches forward. Actually, it might give them something to springboard off to charge me. Like yeah. if they've got like more crush or something like that. So actually what I just need to think can, is, doesn't mean you should. actually, although they normally are a screen, what's the screen going to get me in this game? Nothing. Like because he can't reach me anyway. So I, And he hasn't got any deployment shenanigans. So actually, they're not going to be a screen. They're going to sit behind my army, and they're just going to hold my home objectives. So understand Perfect. the different role that they can play. And I think that that comes down to experience. And if you know that your effective opponent's charge range with their move and all their bonuses is 21 inches, if you're 22 inches away, they can't charge you. So you're never going to be caught out. I oh, rolled an 11 inch charge, but yeah, but you gave him the opportunity to roll 11, and I I won an ETC game because I played a, a the Swedish guy Elizabeth. It's going back edition, but it's still principle still applies. Gave me a 11 inch charge on my on his slans unit with my skull crushers, thinking I'd never roll the dice. And I just went, well, I might as well. I'm not going to lose anything if I fail it. I I moved forward a little bit in the old game, but basically it didn't make any difference. And I rolled it and I popped a double six. And he was like, that was lucky. And I said, well, you gave me the chance. It might be a one in 36 chance, but if, if it's out of 12 inches, it's a zero chance. So yeah, your fault, really. I mean, and that's, that's again, is understanding that this is, Warhammer is um, risk management and redundancy and mitigation. And it's all about risk management. It is really all about that. It's like playing <clears throat> poker. Um, and positional play is really important. And I think that's why 
if you're good at positional play, you'll be good at Age Sigma because it's all about is that guy within three of the front and did you charge and leave that guy out of combat so he couldn't pile in that effective unit? Have I deployed in a way that I can't be pinned by one charge that's going to hit three of my units? I've spread my men out in a checkerboard, so whatever he charges, I've got the freedom to go where I want. And all this stuff is just experience. And I'd say that um, But when you write a list, is try and think about synergies in your list, try and think about scenarios, like have you got enough bodies? Have you got enough wounds? Have you got a monster? Have you got a hero? You know, because some missions you need those. What do your battle line units do? Are you gonna if you play Scorched Earth, are you just gonna be done? Because you need Scorched Earth to burn them. Uh, oh, it's, it's a better part of Valor. It's one of them. But one of the new missions you need battle line units to burn the objectives. So if your battle line units is three units of five direwolves, probably not happening. So yeah. I think it's it's all those things, and you'll write a list, and you'll never get a list that no. does everything. No. There might be an odd exception. But generally, it won't do everything really well. And I think it's just understanding that. Understand that you will have weaknesses, you will have strengths. Yeah, absolutely. And when you come in against a bad matchup, as well as the 12-inch line thing, there is you don't need to kill your opponent's army to win the game. So if you go in there and you, you realise that your paper has come up against their scissors and your army is F, then you can still go and stand in the right place, sacrifice things to the best of your ability, block people off, and you could win the game without killing a single model if your objective is to win the game, not to kill your opponent's army. So they're, they're the two ways to get the most out of your army in bad situations, generically, in Age of Sigmar, I'd say. And then you get to learn something from those games rather than just, you know, be sad. Yeah, I think that'll, that'll basically do. But I'd say seek out the challenge. Uh, find good players as well. Uh, listen to advice, but, but take it as advice and experiences. There's no substitute for it and take everything with a pinch of salt if then uh, we've just gave you loads of advice now you say you don't know what you're talking about no uh, but but you know the point is is that don't write anything off try out different combinations read the war scrolls you don't see what do they do does that synergize with this thing and once you get enough experience with a book you know delving into sort of like bray is really interesting because nobody's really that. doing it so you're going to be the only one exploring it and then you might even get a reputation for being the best Brayherd player, and that could be your objective. And like, that's fun, that's good, and that's a nice accolade to have. And you might, you might end up being, oh, that guy's always around the bottom of Brayherd. What's he doing? Uh, <laughs> why is that guy running rogue idols? What an idiot! Um, but you know, you 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 run it because you want to play those models, that army, and you, the enjoyment and the learning is is where it comes from. So, I think. Um, I've been sort of full and foul of this in the past where you want to play an army, but you don't because you think, oh, it's not that good and I'm going to lose games. It's going to be annoying. It's going to suck. But actually, I'd rather win a game with an underpowered army than uh, win a game with a metalist. Uh, you didn't know because you didn't try it. So you definitely yeah. didn't give it a chance. Exactly. Yeah. And you never For know. Sure. You might come, you might find something that's a bit of a gem like you did with your, your order list and become the first uh, GT champion. So... Mm. Uh, Absolutely. You if go. you guys have got any list you'd like us to try and make work, you're like, I really want to make chimeras and beasts of chaos work or whatever it is, however weird or wacky, pop it below. We will accept the challenge and we will do our <laughs> absolute best to write something. Let us know, like, I like aggressive armies. I want to use this unit and I want to be able to kill stuff first turn. Whatever your objectives are or I just like these models, what do I do? Um, pop it below and we will take the challenge and we will smash it. And we, we've got a Discord community. Join that. 
um, and there's there's groups of of sorry different uh, channels for order, death, destruction. Put your list in there. Ask us questions. Uh, we will we do check it. I check it every day. So if you if you yep. want to have any advice, let us know. Um, and like I say, just comment below if there's anything you really want to record a video on, and and you will think about that. Um, but uh, thanks for listening uh, and watching, uh, if you're watching this on YouTube. So appreciate that. It's been a bit of a long one, but hopefully it's been an interesting journey uh, to get an insight into how we go about writing Armulus, our thought process, and give you some advice on how to go ahead and write an effective Age of Sigma match playlist for your games. So thanks very much. If you like it, like it, subscribe, all that stuff the algorithm dictates that we've got to tell you to do. Uh, but if you've stayed this long, then you know we like you so you like us that's how it works so amazing thanks very much guys all right thanks to make sure you don't miss out on any more hammer to your face subscribe to us on itunes add our rss feed to your reader and follow us on twitter at facehammer underscore we hope you enjoyed the show if you'd like to give us some feedback we'd love to hear from you thanks for listening